how's everybody doing here today? Everybody good? Everybody good? Okay, why don't you turn to your neighbors on your left and on your right and I want to say, say to them, I'm glad you're sitting next to me today. Can you all do that? Just say, I'm glad you're sitting next to me today. Yes, first off, uh, let's open this time with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for being present in our midst. Thank you for being present in our service today. God, even as we, we, we hear from you today right now, God, I pray that may you take my words and may it be yours. God, I pray that may our hearts be open, may our hearts be receptive to what you want to say, and may we respond accordingly towards you. God, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, you know, first off, I want to thank uh, the leadership. I think it's as nerve-wracking as it may be standing up here. I still want to give uh, thanks and my gratitude to the leadership for entrusting me with this mic, this pulpit. Uh, and yeah, so bless me as I preach this word, right? Yes, so as Jeff was saying, we're going to continue on this series of Nehemiah. And we're going to read from Nehemiah chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, can get you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Or you can click to your Bible app, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. Right? And we're going to read from uh, Nehemiah chapter 1 to 10. And before I do, I think Jephthah already mentioned about the. He did a very quick summary, a very quick recap of uh, what are the sermons we have heard since we started this Nehemiah series. And I just want to say this again, right? And Erodorai started off by saying that anyone who aligns with the name of the Lord will be a blessing, right? How many of you remember that, that sermon, that message that he preached? Anybody remember that? Okay, good. And then he went on to say, we also need to plan and prepare to, as we build. And then Josh continued and said, you know, what are we building? And then he said, we are building revival together here in this ministry. Not just the ministry, but also our lives, our families, and, and, and the nations, ultimately. And then Jephthah last week, he, man, he said, keep building despite the opposition because we are partnering with God. And today, I just want to read from Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 to 10 again, and we'll see where God and how God leads us today. All right, reading from verse 1. When Son Balat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Meaning he was very angry. Lah. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish it in a day? Can they bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burnt as they are? Verse 3, Tobiah the Amorite, who was at his side, and said, What they are building, even if flocks climbing on it would break down the walls of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from their sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. This is what Nehemiah uh, was talking to God. Verse 6, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. When, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Eshadot heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall was gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. 
They plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we, paid, we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And this is the verse that I, 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 we are going to focus on, verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, when there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Right? Today, the title of my message is going to be Clean It, Rebuild It. Right? Uh, how many of you have actually tried rebuilding a wall before? How many of you hold, held bricks before? No one? Yeah, I thought so too, right? Uh, so for me, I've tried carrying bricks. Um, they looked very small, but they're actually very heavy and very painful if you hold it with your bare hands. That's why they wear gloves, right? But I just want to paint you the picture of how um, the people in Judah were feeling at that time, right? How many of you remember of ever tried setting up for sports day in your school? How many of you have done that before? Stacking up chairs, putting the chairs there, putting up the tents, uh, even going through your kawat kaki, your march, and all your practices, right? How many of you remember setting up for camps, school camps, your church camp, cultural night? How many of you were there to setting up? Right. And, and all of it, at the end of the day, all you really want to do after doing all of this is just go home, shower, and then force fall asleep immediately, right? Not even like check Instagram, it's just fall asleep uh, immediately. And that's how I think the Israelites at that time were feeling after building the wall till half the height, right? Not only they have to build the wall, they had to also remove the bricks out of the place. You know, we mentioned about the rubbles here, right? So much rubbles that they cannot rebuild the wall. And that's, I think that's only normal. You, you have to build, you take the wall, take the old bricks out, at the same time, right, the verse also said they had to stand guard and stand defense, basically. Right? And the first point I want to say, as we build revival, as we build revival and we are faced with these challenges, is that find strength in God. Not only just finding strength in God, but to also engage God's supernatural strength. Right? And the Israelites, we read earlier, they faced two challenges. The first one, Jeff talked about it last week, they, they faced with the external threats, basically Sanballat, Tobias, and the Arabs. They were trying to uh, destroy the wall, trying to, 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 to give them trouble, right? And, and I want to say this, right? Those, those oppositions were real, but that didn't really stop them because we read they built half its height, so they actually made progress there. But the thing that, that I found was interesting was it was the internal threats. Rather, their tiredness as they built was the thing that was holding them back. Right. And, and this is where the encouragement is that find strength in God even as we build revival, even as we pursue God. Right. And perhaps you're asking, you know, what are these this internal challenges? What are these internal things that uh, maybe we have to, to, to remove or surrender it to God? Right? Perhaps it is our old habits. Perhaps it was an old mindset that we have. Right? Or even old dreams, old ideas, old ways that maybe God is saying it's time for something new. You know, I believe that an exchange is going to happen today. You know, uh, maybe it was certain things in the past that were great, that were good. But I think, so, I think for some of us, God is saying, it's time for something new. It's time for something new. I'm going to give you a new plan. I'm going to give you a new mindset. I'm going to give you new dreams, new ideas as we build uh, revival in our lives, right? And I think the, the other thing that maybe might be grippling us here uh, is the doubts and fears. You know, sometimes we think, you know, am I even good enough to build this wall? 
Am I even good enough to build revival in the ministry? Am I even good enough? Am I even worthy enough to come to God to build, um, to build revival in our, in, our, in our lives, right? And, and maybe some of us is even the fear of missing out. God, what if I, I, I miss one Sunday and I, I don't catch the revival? What if, you know, all these what-if scenarios. And, and some of us, maybe it's, it's even pride that, that is holding us back from actually building what God wants to do in our lives. And, and, and I, and I want to say this again, right, that even as we build, I think God will exchange. I, I feel that God wants to exchange the old, the doubts, the fears, the old bricks, as I like to call it, right? And exchange it for new. Exchange it for God's strength. Exchange it for God's uh, courage as we welcome revival in our lives. You know, I believe that, that God is actually pouring up. I believe that God is doing something amazing uh, in our midst. He is actually pouring out His presence. And, and, and as we talk about this old, talk about this thing that we need to remove, it's, it's not just so much of asking God, but I think it's more of us actually making room for God. I think God is, is ever pouring out all of Him, but it's the question today is, do we have room to contain God? Right, you know, we clean things, we remove certain things with God's strength. It's for the sole purpose of letting God come and fill in the gaps, letting God fill in more of His presence in our lives till it overflows. And that's when I think revival uh, is all about God filling us till it overflows and be a blessing to others. And, and, and this is the, 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 the next, right, where maybe you're saying, you know, I don't have. I don't have all these old things. Maybe I'm already ready for the new. I'm ready on the edge of the new things. And I think God, and I wanted to take some example from King David, right? And King David in the past, we read that he, he said numerous times, right? Create in me a clean heart. Search me and know me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there's any offense. Lead me in your own way. And I think even as we, as we rebuild the wall, as we rebuild and even as we pursue God in our, in, our, in our life, I think it's time where we also allow God to reveal what is not right. You know, sometimes we feel that we're, everything is great. We feel that there's nothing wrong. But I think it's time that we also allow God and we just surrender everything to God. You know, letting God say that maybe certain things you are not prioritizing right. Maybe God wants to, to, to shift that. Or maybe it's a decision that you have to make, right? And you don't know if that's the right decision. And, and I think when we rely on God's strength, when we rely on God, uh, on, on God to lead us, and we, as we surrender, I think God will, will become true for us. You know, it, it's as difficult as, as the decision, as difficult as the, the things that we have to, to build, I think having God giving us strength is the number one encouragement that uh, we can have as we journey this, this earth, right? And, and today, the invitation is to obey and build revival in our lives. That's the invitation for us today. And the question is, what do we have to surrender? What do we need to surrender to make room for God? What do we have to surrender to, to build revival? And the encouragement is that God's strength is more than enough for you, right? Even as we build, God's strength is more than enough for you. And my second point, and my second point is that as we build revival, as God searches us, as God helps us to clean, 
remember your God-given purpose and have faith to persevere. As tired as it may be, as tired and as messy as how cleaning may look like, have faith to persevere. And remember that this is for God's purpose, right? And, and this is what the Israelites, we read in Nehemiah, that they should be doing, is that remembering that the finished wall is ahead of them, that they have to come to the place of building the wall and finishing up the wall and not, not really worrying about the tired. Yes, that's normal. That's normal to have the rubbles here. But I think that if, as they remember about God's purpose for them, which is to be a blessing, I think this, this tiredness, these worries might just be very minute in their eyes if they do not focus on that, right? And, and for us, we also have a purpose. We also have an identity. I don't know I mentioned in, in, the first, in our first, in the opening sermon of, of this series that our identity is children of God. Our identity is a child of God. And our purpose is to be a blessing, to glorify and to uh, yeah, ultimately be a blessing, right? And, and here is the, the thing for us. As YM, our purpose is to be a home for those out there. Our purpose is to be a home so that we can be a blessing to, to others. And in the end, it's not only a blessing to them. I think this is the, the, the key point is that as we are building revival, as we are being a home to others, I think we ourselves will be blessed. You know, we heard this so many times that be a blessing, be a blessing and all that. And I think sometimes we miss the part that we are actually the one being blessed in all of this. We are the one that ultimately at the end of it, if you look back and see, oh yeah, I've actually experienced God in all of this. And, and I think that's the most, the best, you know, the best blessing we can ever get is that we actually encountered God in the process of building, right? And, and as tired as it may be, it's just to persevere in that because at the end of it, God is ready to bless us. God is going to bless us in all of this. And I know I was thinking back, you know, from this, right? like how... How has my journey been in, in, in this building revival? And I know this is like a, we, we talk, we preach revival for so long, even, even before uh, COVID and all that. And I was thinking back and I was thinking and say, God, can you search my heart to see what, what, what are the things that I need to remove? And I think at one point for me, it was the idea of independence, the idea of self-sufficiency. That, that was something that I had to let go. Right. And I think that was something that was also being a hindrance in, in experiencing the full thing of God, the full presence of God. You know, as I grew older, everybody said, you know, as you grow older, you're 18 years old, you need to make the right decision. Uh, you're being an independent boy now, independent girl now, right? How many of you actually heard your parents say that? I think also when you were young, there, there has come to a point where your parents stop feeding you. You have to take the spoon and put it in your own mouth. No more aeroplane game. Uh, to your mouth, right? You know, and, and, and as I grow older, that always caught me. It's like, I need to be independent. I need to make my own decisions, my own, my own choices. And, and I like to say that independence is great, but too much of it tends to lead to self-sufficiency and too much of it eventually will lead to pride because pride is the one that says, I can do it all by myself. I don't need any help, right? And that was for me. And I was looking back and I think that was... Uh, and I think that, you know, I'm independent. I, have, I can't do this all by myself, right? And as long as I pray about it, as long as I tell God my plans, and I say, God, please bless this plan. Please bless uh, what I have here, right? And, and I felt good. 
and I think that all will, all will work out. And I actually begin to lift up the whole aspect of I'm still in a community that I need to, to seek witness from a community to see if I'm actually hearing the right things from God. Because I think sometimes that can happen. We, 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 we try to feel good about it. We try to place certain thoughts we have and that we think that's, that's God. But I think that's where the community actually helps us to process, to witness with us to see that, yeah, that is actually from God or that is actually not from God. Maybe it's not the right time and things like that, right? And, and, and that was what I, I missed out. And I thought, you know, even if I wanted to, people won't have time for me. People won't have uh, the time, the energy to give to me. They are so busy with their lives. And, I, and whenever I do, I tend to get a certain form of rejection. It's like, no, not the right time. Don't do this and all that. And I thought like, wow, if I feel so good, right? But I tell you, then you, you reject me. Then like, what's the point of me telling you? I can't even do anything, right? And then it, it came to the part where for me, I actually did not allow people to teach me. I think it was also a, a little bit of, uh, I sense to build a, a bit of bitterness towards the, my leadership, towards the people that God has placed as my authority, right? And I began to just build a, a wall, a facade to reject whatever people were advising me. They're teaching me, correcting me, speaking to my life. I rejected all of that. I said, no, it's not. You never agreed with me once. How can I take this, right? And and then it came to a point where, because of all the decisions I've made, I began to receive setbacks, disappointments, heartbreaks, confusions, and it just boils up. You know, it boils up to the point where it was too big to bear. And I thought, because of pride, because of I'm independent, I'm a, I'm a grown boy, I'm a big boy, I don't need people to help me. And I could deal with this all by myself. And I, and I remember vividly at one point, all of this actually bottled up and it got really big inside of me. And I remember there was one night, I just, I just broke down. In the middle of the night, like, I think like 12 a.m., like 1 a.m., I just broke down and like, wow, this is, the burden was just so much that I, I, it was just too much to bear. And I was just bursting, crying and I'm crying and I, and I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't even do anything. And my, I know there were people in my house, my brother was with me, but I'm like, I too paise to, to talk to him, right? Then, but then it got to a point where like, GG, this one, this crying doesn't seem to stop. I really need help. I really need someone to, to, to comfort me, right? And that's when I, I, I actually had to lay down my pride. I had to lay down all of this to say, okay, I just need to ask somebody and if they reject, then okay, lah, GG, lah, no, no need help anymore, right? But if they open up, and I think that was something that um, if they open up, then great, I have someone to confide in, right? So I, I, I laid on all my pride and I Walked out of my, my room, sobbing my eyes out. I knocked on my brother's door and he opened. What? Then he just saw me crying. And then he just, he just, he just like, immediately hugged in and, and, and he just says, uh, okay. And, and that was, was the whole thing, right? And I, at that moment, I, I kind of like, I couldn't care less. Like, I was really crying so much, right? Already feeling so bottled up in this. In this. And, but then little did I know, that was when I actually relied on the strength of God through the community. I think, I think sometimes if we don't feel the strength of God in the flesh like that, I think the reminder for us that in the community is where we can find strength. You know, in, the, in, in your own family is where you can find strength. And I, and I found strength in God and I found strength through my brother, through, from God, right, through my brother. And, and that was the ultimate experience that I have to share. 
You know, sometimes it's letting go of this pride. Sometimes it's letting go of all of this and actually just to embrace and welcome God in our lives, even through the community, right? And even right now, where, where there's crossroads or there's challenges I'm facing that's actually stopping me from pursuing God or building this revival, I feel that in a community is where God shows His strength the most. I feel in the community is where we can actually persevere because you have fellow comrades, fellow brothers and sisters saying that, yeah, I know what you're going through. I've been there before. You know, maybe you can, you can borrow faith from me to, to have faith to persevere in all of this. And I want to say that, and it's for us sometimes as we, even in the community, the community actually defends for you. You know, sometimes we just don't, something doesn't make sense. And you have your friends as your backup, your community as your backup. You know, God, the defender, through the community, backing you up in this journey of building revival. You know, to sum it up, and before I would like to welcome Damien to, to share uh, his story and so to share what certain lessons that we can learn from this, this, this verse, my, 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 sum, my summary is this. As we are building revival, building our spiritual walk, by removing things that may be hindering us, by allowing God to actually search our heart to also, and also reveal certain things that we should be letting go, find strength in God. Engage in God's supernatural strength in this season. As tired, as ugly, as, as messy as it may be, engage in God's supernatural strength. Remember that God has given you a purpose. Remember that God has given you an identity. Persevere through all of this. You know, in spite of all of this, we still can build revival as long as we are partnering with God, right? And at this point, uh, I'd like to invite Damien on stage as he takes the next part and as he shares his story and also to conclude today's sermon. Would you give him some love and welcome him here today? What's up, everyone? Come on, guys, let's give it up again for John. It's not easy sharing his story, and I can relate to that. And I just want to express and say that uh, I truly honor John that, you know, despite what we've been through, you know, I've actually studied in the same uni as him. We served in the same zone, in the same CG for the past six years. Uh, a lot of things that we did together, and I'm very honored that I get to share the pulpit together with him today as well. Right? So... I think first off, I want to say that it's really, really weird being up here. Usually I'm behind the camera or either upstairs and looking at people speaking here, but here I am today, right? Um, but with that being said, I also want to take this opportunity to honor and appreciate and also thank the leadership for entrusting me with this responsibility, with the mic, with the pulpit, to actually speak to you what God has been speaking to me uh, recently, right? So... In a way, when I found out that I was asked to share on this particular verse, Nehemiah 4 verse 10, I was a bit hesitant because in my heart I was like thinking a lot of stuff the moment I read the verse. The verse says, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing and there's so much rubbish that we, cannot, uh, we are not able to build the wall. So guess what question I had in my heart? Are they saying that I have a lot of rubbish? Huh? What are they saying? It's like, wow, so roots, yeah. I can't, I, like, that, that was the first thought in my head. Right? But as I was thinking to myself, what is it? I, I started to examine, is there anything in my heart that I felt that I needed to let go? Is there anything in my heart that I felt was 
what I deem as rubbish. And so the more I thought about it, the more the Holy Spirit was convicting me and was telling me, like, I think you know what it is. Then I'm like, no, la, impossible, la, I'm a very clean one. Where got such thing? But the more I tried to fight back, the more the Holy Spirit was convicting me and just telling me, I think you know what you have to share. So the reason why I fought back that thought was because what I'm about to share with you is not something pleasant at all. It's not something that will make you have a, like a good impression of me. In fact, it's the total opposite. But after much debating uh, and after much internal conflict, I would say, I was deeply convicted. And because it's not about how well I present myself, but this story is about how God has changed me and how God has worked in my life. So as much as what I'm about to share is unpleasant, like it, it gives you a very ugly side of me and how much it, it pains me to bring it up, I pray that you will only see a beauty in surrendering to Jesus and I pray that you will only see the grace that Jesus so freely gives that empowers and transforms and the love that convicts. Right? So basically what happened was that Back in 2020, in January 2020, everyone was excited, including myself. I was like, wow, 2020, you know, everyone was talking about 2020 is the year of clarity, is clear year of vision. And for me, 2020 was that. I was entering 2020 with the hype that I got from 2019 because for me, 2019 was by far one of the best years ever because I get to form new and meaningful friendships with a lot of people. I got to step up and take more responsibilities in certain things. I managed to... Uh, be involved in a lot of things. I think one of the highlights for that year itself was Culture Night, and even though I didn't really enjoy talking to new people, like don't really like talking to new friends because I'm an introvert, right? But I think at that point, it was something that, that really touched my heart. And so because of that, I felt like, okay, 2019 was the bomb. 2020 is going to be something greater than a bomb. I don't know what is greater than a bomb. But for me, I felt like 2020 was going to be a solid and fruitful year, but of course, we all know what happened. Lah you know, MCO, COVID, and we are all forced to stay home. And a lot of what I have planned in my heart, a lot of things that I have expected just got thrown out the window easily. And I had to adapt, not just me, I think a lot of us, we had to adapt to how life had to change. From meeting physically to meeting online, from doing ministry on, uh, physically, we need to adapt digitally. And being the person that was also part of the multimedia team, I felt that was exceptionally a lot of pressure because whenever everything goes online, who did they go to the multimedia team, right? And can you imagine juggling so many responsibilities, especially when it comes to work and then it comes to ministry? And on top of that, I had to deal with a lot of uh, things uh, like internal politics that's happening in my office. So for me, that was a very rough time, a very, very tumultuous time. And for, for everything to happen all at once, there was just a lot of pressure to actually keep up with whatever that everyone is doing, whatever, what, whatever that everyone wants me to help out with. And as we were having a lot of meetings, we were having a lot of discussions about how to do this, how to go digital. And of course, when people have differing opinions, there will come a lot of disagreements, there will come a, a lot of uh, uh, miscommunication, different expectations and stuff like that. So what started off as just a miscommunication, it led to some form of argument, passive aggressiveness, and uh, I would say 90% is from me. Lah. And 
sooner or later I felt like from something so small, something so trivial, like just a small misunderstanding, it started becoming unforgiveness. It started becoming bitterness because all I could think from my point of view was, wow, these people never understand me. They don't know I've got so much things to deal with. How can they expect me to do this? And for me, that was a very poisonous thing because I felt like whatever that I had from that, it started clouding a lot of my judgment. And so when I thought that, you know, okay, so deep down I knew that this was something that I needed to deal with because you can't be bitter your entire life, right? That would be very, very boring because what's the fun in it? But when I knew that I needed to deal with it, I felt like, you know what, let me deal with it my way. I'm just going to put it aside. I'm just going to move forward and pretend that all these things never happened. But what happened was that every day there's always a new meeting, every day there's always something new, and every day there's always a new uh, disagreement that will happen. And slowly it started piling up and piling up and piling up. And it came to a point, like, like I say, it clouded my judgment. A lot of things, it really affected like, uh, the way I look at people, the way I talk to people. You can ask my friends. They know how passive-aggressive I was whenever they talk to me. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes when they text me just the word, hey, I get so angry. I'm like, what do you want now? You want to fight, is it? No, actually, no, no, no fighting. But more like, why can't you just type a whole sentence of what you want to tell me instead of sending me the word, hey, like, why do you want, what do you expect me to respond to that? Hey, what do you want? Like that. You want me, you want me to be so rude? Okay, but that's just a side note, like, like, that's courtesy. If next time you text people, just say the whole thing instead, right? right. Coming back to this, was that at times, really, I, I do find myself having bursts of anger, and most of the time is during traffic jam, right? And if those of you who know me, I'm from Churras. I grew up with that. I know how to deal with that by shouting in the car. And so, a lot, like, that's just one example, but I started to have a lot of resentment towards a lot of different people. And it wasn't something that they purposely did to me. Uh, it was just something so natural that when they talk to me, I'm like, shucks, I don't want to talk to you. And I just walk away. That kind of stuff. And because of that, I dealt with people very rudely, aggress very aggressively. And um, it definitely affected a lot of my relationship with people around me. Uh, this also included my family, my friends. And seriously, guys, if you don't believe me, you can ask the people that know me, and they'll be more than happy to tell you how I did, right? So another thing that I realized that I found a lot of reasons to rebel, just because I don't like what other people are telling me to do, and also I found a lot of reasons to, to, to just get angry, and whatever that I was once passionate about, like just for example, filming or, or even like doing social media work or design, I no longer find the passion in it. And, and when it comes to ministry work, I felt like more of a chore, a burden than a passion. And that was when I knew that something was wrong. That was when I knew like I'm no longer the person that I used to know. And while that was happening, uh, what I did was that I looked to other people and what I saw was like, why are these people growing so much? Why are these people moving forward so much? And here I am, either being stagnant or perhaps sometimes I would consider it regressing. And when that happened, uh, obviously I feel bad about myself. Lah. So for those of you who do not know me, uh, I am a, a very critical person. I critique myself a lot. I set very high expectations for myself, knowing that I will never achieve it, but because I know I'll never achieve it, and that's where I beat myself up a lot, and that's where 
for me, I know that why can't you be better? Why can't you be like other people? You know, other people are like earning like five figures at this age already. Why are you still earning like so low salary and stuff like that? Right? I tend to judge myself a lot and then because of that, anxiety started to kick in. And when anxiety kicked in, I knew that I was feeling so down to the point where I cannot go any, more lo cannot go any lower. And if I were to describe it in a better way, it felt like a chain reaction for me. So it started from bitterness, and then it led to stagnation. Stagnation, I, it led to comparison. When I compare myself with others, it led to anxiety. And then when it came to anxiety, it just felt like everything was just going around and around in circles. And because I knew that I didn't have to put in any effort, knowing that I'm not going to go anywhere with it, it goes back to stagnation again, it goes back to bitterness, and then the whole thing will go over and over again. And it felt like I was going around and around in circles, having my own pity party, right? And I think one of the turning points or probably breaking point that I had was, I think for some reason, it's pretty similar to John. Broke down in my room, I cried because I was like, dude, this is terrible. Uh, it's been more than a year and I still feel like this. This is crazy. Uh, I know I'm supposed to grow, but I'm not growing. What's the problem? So I, I think it was just at that point I was like, God, I can't bear to be like this anymore. I needed to grow. I can't stay in this mud. I can't stay in this ditch anymore. What is stopping me? So I think it was at that point where I felt it was a gentle whisper from the Holy Spirit just saying, telling me, you have to forgive. Then I'm like, why, yeah? They didn't even ask me for forgiveness. Why do I just forgive them out of the blue? And then, not only that, it didn't stop at you need to forgive, but you also need to ask for forgiveness. That's even more so impossible, because if these are the people that wronged me, why would I need to ask them for forgiveness? Like, shouldn't they come to me and ask for forgiveness instead? But I knew that the Holy Spirit was convicting me so deeply because it says that if Jesus is able to bear all your sins and forgive everything you have done on the cross, why can't you forgive other people? And can you imagine if such trivial matters, I can't stand to forgive them. Can you imagine bigger things in the future where you know, someone betray me and then how am I going to forgive them, right? So I was like, you know what, God, you know that forgiving is very hard for me to do because of my pride and arrogance, but if you ask me to do it, I will, re I will need to rely on your strength. I will need to rely on you to help me forgive. So it was at that point where I just told God, God, like, if anything, please help me forgive and please humble myself to ask for forgiveness from other people. And I have to tell you that this happened only very, 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 very recently. And instantly, I felt that a huge weight of burden just lifted. And like a chain reaction, slowly, when it came to bitterness, it started lifting. When it came to unforgiveness, it started discarding itself. When it came to low, low self-esteem and anxiety issues, it started discarding itself. And I felt the, the impression to tell people about this and to even ask for people uh, to pray with me. Uh, I was glad that, uh, and I was very blessed to have in my community with me, my, my, my friends, my pastors, my family, to even talk to them about this. And they also prayed together with me. And I kid you not, this is not something that I want to brag. This is not something that I want to boast about myself because I don't like doing that. But they did see a difference in me. They started seeing, saying that I'm more cheerful, I'm more joyful, I'm no longer that bitter boy that goes around and says life sucks whenever you ask him how's life, right? Because that was me. But they did see the change in my countenance. And for that, I really, I know that it's not something that I can do 
on my own because I really tried. I tried to be happy, but I couldn't. But for some reason, after whatever that happened, I felt genuinely lighter. I felt genuinely happy, and only God could do that. And I need to tell you, I need to be completely honest that whatever that I was facing, whatever that I call as rubbish, it's not 100% clear because every day, there's a new challenge. Every day, the enemy will definitely find something to plant in your heart, to plant in your mind, to keep you stuck at where you were. And that was, for me, that was the case. Because every day, I still need to drive to work, right? And every day, there's always traffic jam. And if you didn't already know, traffic jam is worse than before, before even, before pandemic. And that was like, oh, shucks, I knew my trigger point already. So before I start my journey, I always pray and ask God, God, you know I'm going to get angry later, but if you can, you minimize my anger, give me more patience, right? Things like that. And I know that I, 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 uh, there's a lot of politics happening in my workplace as well, and I knew that I was going to get affected. I just asked God to surrender, uh, uh, just surrender everything to God. Like I, God, I know that I'm going to probably get into an argument with someone else in my, in my workplace. God, please help me. Right? And to be honest, just by saying that prayer, just by surrendering your day to God really makes a huge difference. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, but it was God's supernatural strength that helped me. Like what John said, God's supernatural strength is able to help you overcome. So why do I want to share this with you, even though like, now you know that Damien is a very angry person, right? Um, but I feel strongly that God wants to teach us he wants to show us a few things from my experience. And the first thing that I want to tell you was like what I said before. The devil will do whatever it takes to keep you stuck at where you are. And all it takes is just one thought. All it takes is just one assumption. All it takes is just one feeling. And then if you choose to ignore it, slowly it piles up day by day, month by month, year by year. And something I want to tell you, uh, I'm not... Also, not proud of it, but basically what happened was at the beginning of the year, uh, my brother and I, we lived alone for about two months or so because my parents were in Singapore, right? So, two guys at home, what could go wrong? Nothing, nothing went wrong. We did chores as usual, we were good boys, we cleaned the house and stuff. Uh, but one particular thing that we somewhat overlooked was taking out the trash. And the assumption that we had was that whoever that throws rubbish last or cooks in the kitchen last and stuff like that will be the one taking out to the refuse room, right? So we always thought that the other person was going to use it last, the other person was going to throw something last because sometimes I will come home late and then I will cook. Once I cook already, I will go into my room and then my brother will sometimes come out and eat supper and stuff like that. So we always think that the other person was going to throw the rubbish. But of course, none of us did. Right. So, first day, still there. Second day, go into the kitchen, see it's still there. Open the thing, oh, still full, and stuff like that. Fourth day, still there. Fifth day, I didn't even need to go to the kitchen. I already smell it from the living room the moment I entered my house. Then I'm like, wow, this is jialat, man. So, I was like saying, like, this cannot go on anymore. The stench is just too strong. So, what I needed to do, regardless of whose responsibility it was, for me, I was like, screw it. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to throw it into a rubbish bin already, right? So what I'm trying to say from this is that the longer you leave something, the stronger the stench. And that when that stench becomes so strong, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects the room wherever you go. Wherever you carry yourself into, you affect the room around you, you affect the atmosphere around you. I can go up to my friends and just be like super down and they will ask me, how's your day? I'm like, oh yeah, sucks, I cannot, life sucks. Then 
for some reason, if they are not strong enough, then obviously they will be like, yeah, life sucks too. I uh, don't know why life is treating me that way and this and that, right? So what I'm trying to say is that you, whatever, whatever you carry in you affects the people around you and what you decide to do with what you carry is, is essential. And we can't wait for other people to remove it. I couldn't wait for my brother to remove it. I needed to remove whatever that was in my house already. Whether it was rats or something, I needed to throw it out. And what I need to tell you is that God's grace is always there for you. And all you need to do is to ask and seek and just surrender it to God. God, whatever that is stinking up my life, whatever that is polluting the the air I breathe, whatever that is affecting my perspective in life, and God is willing to help you. God is there to extend His hand. And number two, this might affect some of us, but guys, we really need to get down and dirty to remove some of the things in our lives. And I know that for some of us, it could be the pain, the hurt that you once endured that is so painful that you do not want to bring it up. And for some of us, it's the shame of the things that we have done in the past that we feel like, oh, we are unworthy. I don't even want to bring it up because I'm scared that people will talk about me. I'm scared people will look at me in a different light. But as dirty and as ugly as these things may be, we need to remove it. Why? When we remove all these things, we can make way for a sturdier foundation. I need to say that we cannot expect to build our lives on all these rubbles, all this rubbish, because whatever that you build on it will one day fall. Because the only strong and firm foundation that we have is Jesus. And if that place is not occupied by Jesus, sorry to say, these things won't last. And whatever that grows along with it, trust me, your rubbles will have rubbish in it, will have mold in it. But whatever that it it comes with it, we still need to remove it. Which brings me to my next point. When we remove all these hindrances, when we remove all this rubbish, what do we fill it with? We fill it with God's purpose for us. We fill it with God's dream for us. We fill it with God's love for us and who God says about us. I remember when I was facing like, like strong anxiety and, and sometimes at night I couldn't sleep because I was just constantly scolding myself. And I, I knew that I needed to reach out for help. And what I did was I reached out to Pastor Anand and, and I, I was telling him all the things that I was facing. And he told me one very, very uh, practical, even though it's, uh, it's, it, it's something simple, but yet it's very powerful, which is whenever you think of yourself that way, whenever you think of yourself so lowly, turn your attention away and focus on Jesus. First, focus on who God is in your life. Focus on who God says you to be. Focus on God, on what God has done in your life, what God has blessed you with in your life. And when I did that, it started to change my perspective because when I decided to focus on God, when I decided to magnify God, my problems started becoming very minor. My issues become very, very minor. And it really helped me move forward because I filled myself with gratitude. I filled myself with thankfulness. I thank God that I have a job. I thank God that I'm still in the ministry. I thank God I have friends to rely on. I thank God that my family is still providing for me. And you might be wondering, how do I do that? How do I magnify God? How how do I focus on God? The easiest thing to do is to pray. The easiest thing to do is to read the Word. The easiest thing to do is to worship God. And 
whatever that helps you build intimacy with Him would definitely help you because the way I look at intimacy is when you're intimate with someone, you're very close with someone. You're in close proximity. And when you're so close to that person, it becomes that everything in your eye view is that person. And the same, and the same goes to your relationship with God. When you're so close to God, all you can see is God and you don't see your issues, you don't see your problems. In fact, it becomes so small. And I need to tell you that no matter how big your problems are, yes, they may be big, but God is bigger. And I'm going to come to a close very soon. And I'm no subject matter expert in this because I still deal with this every day. And I know for some of us, whatever that you are experiencing or whatever that you have experienced is definitely not as, uh, not, definitely not as minor as my problem. I, I acknowledge that some of you have been through very, very deep hurt. Some of you have experienced very, very deep betrayal. For some of us, we have done things that we are super not proud of. And I know it's not easy. But what I'm telling you is that there is always hope. There is always help. And I'm very blessed to call where I am my home. I'm very blessed to call these friends my family as well. And what God has placed in your life, it could be this community. Because we are never called to journey alone. We are always called to journey together, to do life together. Why? Because we worship together. We edify, we encourage one another and be encouraged. We pray for one another and be prayed for. And that's how community works. And these are the people you can trust. And while for some of us, we, for, we always think that, you know, I need to present myself at the, to, to the best that I can before I come to God. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus doesn't require you to be perfect. Jesus doesn't require you to have it all together. In Matthew 11, Jesus even said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He doesn't require you to have it all settled before you come to Him and then He will give you rest. No, His invitation is already out for us who are suffering, who are having experiences, bad experiences in our lives. He wants to exchange that for rest. And that's just how much God loves us because He can't bear to see us struggling. And I honestly feel that right now for, for some of us here this morning that God is already knocking on the doors of our hearts asking us to make room make room for Him to fill you with His love His kindness for some of us we, we, we lost the purpose or, or we forgot the dreams that has given us God wants to fill that space again with the dreams that He has given you the purpose that He has given you and in this juncture, I just would like to give us an opportunity to respond. So can I invite all of us to stand, to rise together? No looking around. You know, for some of us, you, do not, you, you don't have to admit it to me, but, but I know for some of us, the rubbish that we are dealing with in our lives, the things that are hindering us in our lives, in our journey with God, it's too filthy, it's too shameful that we do not want to bring it up. But let me tell you this, God doesn't judge you based on what you have done. God calls you His child. Your identity is still so much rested in the person of Jesus. You think that all these things will matter? No! What you need to do is just to come to God and just ask, God, forgive me for what I've done. 
God, I, I, I feel like I can't move past this. And God is there saying, just surrender it to me. And I'll give you rest. And you can move forward. And for some of us, it's the pain that we've been through. For some of us, it's just too deep. The, the, the wound is just too fresh. It's just too strong. That every time we touch it, we feel pain. For, us, it's, for some of us, it's betrayal. And I need to tell you that Jesus also experienced betrayal, but yet, forgiveness still comes from the cross. Forgiveness still flows. Even to this day, God still extends His forgiveness. It's not just for you, but also the people that has hurt you. So, what I want to encourage us with today is that the good news is whatever rubbish that you have has already been removed. Whatever that you're dealing with God has already redeemed it. The finished work is on the cross. So before we go into a time of worship again, before the worship team leads us in the time of worship, I want you to think, maybe for some of us, the Holy Spirit is already convicting us, showing us what are the things in our hearts that are blocking us from experiencing this personal revival, that are stopping us from building towards revival, that are stopping us from building a community to do God's work. It could be your fear. It could be related to what John was facing, self-sufficiency. You think that you can do it on your own, but at the end of the day, if you are not relying on God's strength, nothing will last. For some of us, it could be what I was experiencing, bitterness, unforgiveness. As minor as that may be, it will soon fester into something so big that it's very hard to remove. It could be something that God is speaking to you right now. And for some of us, it also could be a fear of rejection, a fear of failing. These are just some of the things that, I just, that, that God has impressed upon my heart that, that might be hindering us from moving forward. And what I want to tell you is that God is telling us to let go. Some of it, it might be too comfortable that we just want to hold on to it. That because of that, we build a strong facade that we do not allow God to enter into our lives to help us and to speak to us. Do not allow uh, and, uh, for people to enter into our lives, to speak life into our lives. God is telling you, stop holding on. Be vulnerable with me and so if that is if that is you if you have something that you need to remove today whatever rubbish, rubbish it may be I want to invite you in this time to surrender to God as we take this time to worship together